And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Got a great interview lined up for all of you folks as we are going to be joined by Brandon Marcello. Talk a little college football and all the goings on with it because I know there's a lot of uncertainty, which is not surprising, but we want to make sure that we are doing the best of our ability to cover the game and to give you the latest up-to-date information on everything going on. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in Brandon Marcello of 247sports.com, covering all of college football. Brandon, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're doing well. And in fact, the last time we got a chance to talk to you, you were kind of still in the transition of, of moving back to Arkansas. And I know you're living up there in northwest Arkansas. So uh, since the last time we were able to catch up with you, how's everything been going, settling in now and being back uh, home in the great natural state? Oh, it's great, man. We're enjoying it. We're around family for the first time in years. And a little little boy getting to be around his uh, grandparents is, is everything to us right now. And just ready to get through this pandemic so we can actually go do stuff. Yeah, I think that most people are probably in that same situation with you. And, in fact, that's kind of where I want to start with you. Because yesterday, Hunter Yurchek, the athletic director for the University of Arkansas, uh, did a press conference, a Zoom conference, if you will, and was basically giving an update and making some comments about some of the things that they're doing at the University of Arkansas. So we'll start right there. You were able to listen in and watch that press conference. What were some of your main takeaways from that press conference and some of the stuff you learned from Hunter Yurchek? You know, from a national level, and that affects everybody, is uh, the fact that um, kind of the murmurs we've been hearing behind the scenes of the ACC and the SEC working together to potentially – create a schedule in which we have eight conference games and one non-conference game or eight conference games and two non-conference games or maybe even nine conference games and one non-conference game. That's being worked out, and we could potentially see that be a situation where the ACC and SEC play each other for their non-conference games, or you might see a three-man tag team, so to speak, with the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC coming out together here in the next two weeks and saying, hey, Here's our new schedule idea. This is what we're going to do. These are the non-conference games we're going to be able to do together. And meanwhile, a lot of the non-conference matchups you already were planning on, I think there were like 11 or maybe more than that, involved those three conferences are going to be able to be played. So um, I think that's some good news for the folks that are hoping to see, you know, for example, like even in Arkansas, Notre Dame, because Notre Dame is considered part of the ACC this year, it looks like. And for the people in the East, South Carolina and Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, all those games could potentially still be on the schedule here in two weeks. With the conferences looking like they're aligned with one another, is that something as far as the ADs speaking amongst one another to try to get some things scheduled, or does it start with the commissioners? Yeah, it starts with the commissioners. Those have mostly been going on among them. The ADs at these schools have kind of, they have not reached out to each other all that much uh, to discuss such things because it's out of their hands, to be quite frank. Though the ADs can communicate with their commissioners, hey, we want this game to remain. Let's do it. Let's try to keep it on the schedule. And, you know, ultimately it's going to be up to the commissioners. But the commissioners are working together in the pack, or excuse me, the, uh, the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC to potentially work out some type of deal where they can keep some of those non conference games. Nothing's promised, of course. I mean, if they do announce something along those lines of the schedule maintaining non-conference games, uh, that could very well change, you know, two weeks after that or even a month after that. 
Brandon, why do you think there was such a disconnect? Because, you know, knowing that the ACC, Big 12, and SEC are all on the same page and they've been in contact, but with the Big 10 and the Pac-12, you know, they made the decisions and, and they were pretty early in the going. Do you think that there was any conversations with any of those commissioners or are they just kind of on their own island doing their own thing and they uh, really don't want to have any sort of uniformity with the other conferences? Yeah, they were expecting – uh, the other Power Five commissions were expecting the the Big Ten to kind of make their announcement this week instead of last week, um, and so they were preparing accordingly for that to happen. Um, the Pac-12, of course, made their decision the day after that, which goes to show you that maybe more or less that the Pac-12 and not Big Ten were obviously on the same page. But all, but you know those big games that were scheduled in non-conference for Pac-12 were against Big Ten schools, you know. Uh, Washington, Michigan, and Ohio State and Oregon, obviously. So I'm sure that they went in their discussions, they were saying, hey, here out, out here out west, doesn't look like we're going to be able to play full schedules. No way we're going to do non-conference schedules, let alone allow people to come across the country and travel here. And the Big Ten was like, yeah, we're kind of leaning that way too. And they made their decisions. But um wasn't unexpected. It's just that the timing of it, was unexpected and it kind of peeved off a few of those commissioners because they literally had a call that morning and the Big Ten had no no hint that they were going to do it later that afternoon and sure enough they did. But to me, this shows the cynical side of me shows that there's still no trust among these commissioners and that dates back to when we went through a realignment more than a decade ago when there was backroom dealings going on and Texas might be going to the Pac-12 and all that, and the SEC, of course, stealing a couple of Big 12 schools. I, I think that uh, there's, uh, there's some of that that probably still goes on, and it, it's every conference for itself, to be quite honest. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's most important is, is numero uno. Has any information come out as far as why the Big Ten did it with the timing of it? Like you said, there was no surprise there, but – Initially, they thought that they were going to make an announcement later. Has anything come out as far as why the timing? Probably to get ahead of everybody else and, you know, just to be first and also start working out some of the, the contract details and also on their scheduling. Um, I guess to kind of be ahead of the news cycle, that's one thing. But also probably the best, I guess, provide a plan earlier than others. Because meanwhile – the SEC and everybody else is sitting back still trying to figure out if we're going to have a season and what that's going to look like. The Big Ten can at least say, hey, here's our plan. It might change, but this is what our plan is right now, and this is how we're moving forward. And it also gives coaches, I guess, a better idea of how to prepare for this upcoming season. But outside of that, there's really no rhyme and reason behind it from a kind of a PR perspective. We'll continue on our discussion on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast with Brandon Marcello here in just a second. But first, folks, you've been hearing me telling you about rockauto.com, and I'm going to tell you about it again because it is phenomenal. We all got to work on our own cars at some point. We want to know what's going on, and some of us do it ourselves with the COVID going on. We don't want to deal with those big box stores. We don't want to deal with having to go into some sort of shop and get price gouged. We want to do it ourselves. But you need the parts. You need guidance. And you need selection. And that's what rockauto.com does for you. It's a family business, and it's been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They also have a catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, 
The prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts of those big box stores? Go to rockauto.com now and see what's available for your car or truck. Just write Locked On into their How Did You Hear About Us box so they can, they can know that we sent you right here. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts you will ever need. rockauto.com Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Speaking with Brandon Marcello, college football writer and reporter for 247 Sports right now on the Weston Cigars Hotline. Uh, Brandon, now that we're starting to get closer to getting an idea of what college football is going to be looking like, at least the plan that they have in place, uh, how, how do you see all of this going down? How do you see it as far as the scheduling and as far as the Power 5 conference specifically? Could, it, could we see a situation where... You're going to have some conferences play tw- 10 to 12 games, others 8 to 10, and how is that going to impact college football playoffs and, and who's going to get to go to particular bowl games, assuming we get to that point? I don't see 12-game regular seasons uh, you know, anywhere. Um, I think the most we'll see is 10. You know, That gives you 13 to 14 weeks to be able to play 10 games. Whenever these schedules do come out, if they do come out, They'll, they will not include bye weeks because they're going to have to try and play all 10 straight if they can, if they have to, or take a week or two off or, or postpone games or whatever if things arise during the season. I think what's more likely is you're going to see probably some eight conference game schedules uh, along with one or two non-conference games. Those non-conference games would be the first to potentially go. And my thinking is that those will be on the back half of the schedule, so those are easily canceled, so to speak, and they don't have to, you know, uh, worry about where they move a earlier game earlier in the season. If it was postponed, they could just move it to that date later in the season. So, all that said, you know, right now my, my opinion is that I'm about fifty fifty on whether there's going to be a season at all um, as it stands right now. From talking to people um, on any level in college football, including the, the Power Five. Um, I think it's even less likely in the group of five and, of course, the FCS. I don't see how they're going to be able to play football at all, in my opinion, uh, even with the way things are today. These next two weeks are crucial. Unless numbers start going down uh, with, with hospitalizations, um, the season's going to be delayed. I, 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 I fully expect here uh, two weeks from today, maybe a little bit, uh, yeah, probably two weeks from today, July 31st, you'll probably hear if the numbers are still going up, um, we're delaying the season. It'll take two, three more weeks to kind of think about all this. Our plan is this. We're going to play this many games, but we're delaying the start um, if these numbers are still up where they are right now and continue to rise in two weeks. So with a delayed start, it's been put out there as a possibility for – some games to be played now during the current football season when it should be played and then play like a split season to push others to the spring. Do you see that possibly happening, or do you just see a shift to spring football altogether? I think it would be a shift to spring football. I don't think they'd split season the season because if they play any games in the spring, you're going to have a lot of a lot of teams that are going to look a lot different. Um, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to come back at Clemson, for example, in the spring. Justin Fields is not going to come back in the spring. These big-time players who have NFL futures, they're just not going to play in the spring. It's just not going to happen. Um, and in fact, what you might see even this season is if there's a delayed start, we do start playing games late in the season, but things aren't looking promising for the future, 
you might just see top players be pulling themselves out of the season in the middle of the year. If they do get games in this year, the, the goal, based off what I've been told, particularly in the SEC, is to play at least six games, and those be conference games. If they see a path where it's not possible for them to play six games, I think they'll call off the season and they'll try again in the spring. But outside of that, I don't think there's any way they they try to split the season. Yeah, because I think it's also problematic because uh, I think Hunter Yurchek even mentioned in his press conference yesterday that players have been coming up to him and basically saying, you know, don't put us through fall camp and then yank it from us, you know, as the season starts because it all gets canceled. And I think that that puts them in a very precarious situation because, listen, if if things happen, you're going to have to make a move. But that's also the probably the last thing that these college football programs want and these conferences want is to have fall camp, get the season started, maybe one or two games, and then there's such a, a drastic change that you end up having to yank it. So by knowing that, do you think that it'll be more likely that they'll just delay it rather than cut it and uh, try it up again uh, next time if they're having an issue with games actually continuing to go? Yeah, mathematically, if they were to try and play a season and they keep delaying, and the idea is is that they have to play at least six games, the latest they could probably start is probably October 24th, which is pretty late. But that would mean playing six straight weeks and not having any other delays after that, which would also mean, in correlation to that, you'd have to have a four-week preseason camp before October 24th. So you would have to have to make a final decision at the latest on whether there's going to be a fall season probably in late September. If by late September you're not confident there's going to be a season, you're going to have to just move to the spring. So when I say kick the can down the road, they can keep kicking the can down the road and delaying, delaying until they have to make a real decision in late September. Um, now, here in two weeks, if numbers are still up and they decide to delay the season a couple of weeks, that would also mean they would probably delay the start of preseason camps by two weeks. So August 7th would turn into August 21st for the start of preseason camps. They would practice for four weeks and then play their first game. So think of it that way in your, in your head, in your calendar that they've got to kind of make a decision about games for at least four weeks before the season actually starts. So whenever you hear of one decision, expect that they have to make another one no later than four weeks after that. Brandon, what are your overall thoughts on playing spring football? Because essentially now you're talking about playing two seasons in the same year of 2021. You know, there's some coaches who don't have a big issue with it based off of kind of the data they've been able to drum up. Also, the thought is, is if you play spring season, you would play a shortened season. And you, in doing so, one, it would take some of the stress off the players' bodies, but also it would serve as a spring practice in a lot of ways, um, though it would be a little bit more brutal. I just don't think we would see a 12-game season in the spring, even if things were hunky-dory and everything was fine. Um and they would, of course, try to play in the fall as well. I don't think they would go, hey, we're playing in the spring. Now it's, we're going to have to play next spring, too. We're not going to play in the fall. I don't think that playing in the spring would be as big of a hurdle as maybe some are making it right now. They would just have to adjust, and the season would be shorter than the typical 12-game schedule. We'll continue our discussion with Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports here in just a second. But first, this. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 
Brandon, I'm sure you saw the announcement that the Southeastern Conference made with scholarships and how they're going to be honoring them for student-athletes regardless whether they compete in the fall semester. Uh, do you know any more details on that? Because the question I have, and, and maybe it's just I haven't had a chance to really break it down and read it, but is that something to where if they opt out, do, do they still lose a year of eligibility? Do they get to have like a redshirt type of year? Like, What's the setup and format of that? I haven't heard that specifically, but if you keep your scholarship and you're not playing, if you have not redshirted yet, you can redshirt. Because um, there's also there's also this this is related, but somewhat not. You know, now you can play up to four games in a season and redshirt. How's that change if you only if there's only ten games on the schedule or eight or six? Does it become a percentage race? That we haven't gotten an answer about mm-hmm. that from the NCAA yet. So there's a lot of things they've got to work out there. But common sense would say. If a player has not redshirted yet medically or just as a, as a freshman or any sort, they would be able to use this as a redshirt year and then return next season. Yeah, I think that would be the right thing to do for sure. All right, real quick before we let you get out of here, Brandon, I know uh, you had a comment about this, and it, we've been having fun with it so far today. You've been covering football for a long time. The question has been, what has been the worst football game you've ever had to watch from beginning to end that you can recall? What would you say has been the worst game you've ever watched? I've seen so many games, and I was joking about I've covered so many junior high games (laughs) when I was first in this business that those are probably up there. Certainly they are, but the good thing is those games are short. Uh, I'm trying to think, what will be the worst game I've ever covered? Hmm. Maybe Arkansas-Western-Illinois in football. Was it Western-Illinois? Which year was it? Was it in 08? It was first year of Petrino. Yeah, that was, was Western a, Illinois. Yep. Yeah, it was just terrible. Bad football. <laughs> it was almost expected, kind of expected it with them to switch it to a new system and not having McFadden and everybody back. That was pr- a pretty bad game. I've been lucky where I haven't covered really any terrible games. Every beat I've been able to get on, like I went to Mississippi State and I kept being told, like, hey, they're ready to cover some bad football. And then I went there and they won nine games that year. And beat the crud out of Michigan in the bowl game. Um, so I haven't really been haven't been around a really, really, really bad team or, for that matter, a really, really bad football game in the last uh, decade or so. Hmm. So I, I guess I'm, I'm pretty lucky there. And I've seen some amazing finishes in person, too. I've been pretty lucky there. But ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to play football this season because I, I don't know what I'm going to do without football this year. Number one, professionally, I don't know if I'd have a job, but two, um, I scratch and itch for it during the off season anyway, and having to wait another six months potentially, uh, I'm not doing. I don't want to do that. Well, I can tell you this, uh, Brandon. I'm sure Razorback fans are hoping that you can be connected with, uh, you know, have if you since you now moved back to Arkansas. I know you're going to be covering college football in general, but maybe you being close to Arkansas means since you haven't covered any bad football, Razorback football may take a turn for the better. I'm sure fans are hoping for that. Maybe so. You know, may, you know, I've been talked to by a couple of friends like, "Oh, you're going to be covering some Arkansas games." I go, "And eh, not unless they're in <laughs> the top 25 or something like that, or you know, number one teams coming to town or something like that. But you know, Arkansas has been there before, and they'll be there again. It's all cyclical. Brandon, what are some of uh, some of those amazing finishes that you've seen? Kick six and the Iron Bowl. Um, that's by far the, the most amazing finish I've ever seen. I was standing on the sideline for that. I've never heard 
a stadium that loud when it happened. Um, it was so loud, the microphone on my camera, I had my little camcorder out just in case if something crazy happened because I thought it was going to go to overtime. And all I could hear on my camera after I went to, back to my computer that night was white noise. It was just static. It was incredible. Uh, the prayer at Jordan Hare between Auburn and Georgia that same year. Uh, the Iron Bowl this past year, uh, where Gus Malzahn called like a trick punt formation to <laughs> give 12 players on the field to Alabama, and, and Auburn was able to seal the victory with that. Um, let's see, some other crazy finishes. Um, Arkansas, LSU, and one of Brian Mallett's years in the Bayou. Um, I think a game went to overtime. That was pretty crazy. I think that was the game. Who was the receiver? So Jarius Wright or something got pegged in the head really hard. It was Joe and Adams, yeah. Joe Adams, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I was on the sideline because it was near the end of the game of that. And I just remember hearing that and him not moving. and thinking, oh, my God. But they popped right back up. You know, that was a game Arkansas should have won. But um, that, that was a crazy game to the end. I, I didn't think Arkansas had a chance in that one going in, and they were – they certainly stood toe to toe with LSU that day. Yeah, and it's funny because so, yeah, Joe Adams was the one that only got popped, but then he's also the one that caught the touchdown pass on fourth down uh, to right. give Arkansas the lead. But then LSU uh, went down the field and kicked a field goal to go into overtime. So yeah, that was that's yeah. one uh, I I completely forgot about. But yeah, that was a crazy ending to that game for sure. Yeah, and Mallet played his tail off. I remember my, I, I, with the Democrat Gazette at the time, and I wrote a sidebar just about how how. Uh, great mallet did and actually broke it down by sides of the field and how accurate he was. I was surprised I was able to get those type of numbers and figure them out. But, uh, yeah. But now on the national beat, I'm looking forward to getting to travel the country and hopefully covering like Ohio State and Penn State this year and stuff like that, those big games. But uh, we'll see. Heck, if we even have a football season, will they let the media in? I don't know. Yeah, well, let's just all be hopeful for it, man. That's all we can do at this point. <laughs> let's just all be hopeful. It's Brandon Marcello covering college football for 247sports.com. Always appreciate it, Brandon. Have a great weekend, man. We'll be catching up with you, all right? All right. You too, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime. Hey, I appreciate it. Again, Brandon Marcello joining us via the West End Cigars Hotline. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.